You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You gotta make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, please feel free to do so. The number here is 608-501-0718. That number again, 608-501-0718. Just go ahead and leave uh, leave a message. And I will talk about what you want to talk about. And that's just kind of how this thing works. New callers, by the way, go directly to the front of the line, trying to see if we have any. And I don't think we do, which is unfortunate because I was told by Cheeseballin that he was going to call in. But I didn't see uh, I didn't see that he did that. So maybe soon. Also, before we get started, please remember to check out uh, the new T-shirts that are coming out. We got uh, got a couple new ones. I'm going to try to drop them regularly. The one that I'm I'm really trying to figure out is I want to get a Packernet After Dark shirt, and not just one with the logo, although I do want to get that as well. In fact, if that isn't up as of this recording, then I have, am a massive failure. But I want to get one that's like, I called in to Packernet After Dark, you know what I mean? I think that'd be pretty dope. I survived kind of thing, you know? But without further ado, let's get started. Sorry about that call the other day, Ryan. Uh, sometimes it just, you can't time stuff out any more perfectly uh, without having intentions of stuff like that happening, but it's just my luck. Brian gets uh, the background with birds singing and chimes in the wind, and I get train sirens and tornado <laughs> sirens. Go figure. That's uh, just the difference between my route and his route. Yeah. Uh, I want to uh, comment on something that Nate made a really good point on uh, after Packernet After Dark that I listened to today. Um, in disregards to uh, how our picks are going to, you know, fall to us and who we're going to get, and I just uh, the, the the talent that we we haven't even tapped into yet uh, has so much potential. I think uh, Deguara could have a breakout season if he honestly has this chemistry that we've not tapped into because Love and him maybe uh, get a lot of reps on the side and. Uh, it is his third year, technically, so the, you've said before, that, I mean, this is when guys have their breakout season sometimes, and uh, he's poised to have that. So I'm really hoping that uh, him and, honestly, I uh, hope him and Dylan both have breakout seasons because they really, truly haven't had those yet. So I think their opportunities are going to be uh, be there for him. So, and I do hope that uh, Watson and Dobbs really do step up but, uh, I mean, these draft picks that we do get really could enhance their talents. You know, if we do get Jackson Smith and Jigba, look at how much more that's going to open up uh, opportunities for these other guys because the fields are going to be stretched and all these cornerbacks are going to be stressed. So who knows? But I really do think this draft could really, really enhance uh, the talent that the guys do have already. Uh, that are working and working and working on the off season. Uh, so we'll just see. Have a good one. Yeah, I mean, that would be obviously phenomenal if we saw that. Um, lots of different thoughts here. N- number one, as far as, um, let's say, Josiah DeGuara, as big of a fan as I am, and you're right about year three, I think for every guy that takes a year two, year three jump, there's 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 that just are what they've always been. Um, and I've been down this road plenty of times. Um, 
Mari Rogers and just on and on and on. Like maybe this is the breakout year. Maybe, maybe with Kevin King. Maybe with the maybe, 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 maybe. And it just doesn't materialize. And it's why with like Justin Fields, it's kind of like, okay, guys, freaking calm down. And it's ridiculous that they just assume magically that it has to happen. It could happen. But you can't just assume it because more often than not, when you've demonstrated over a period of time that this is what you are, it's what you are. And again, there are exceptions to that, but not that's that that is the exception. Um, furthermore, the biggest difference between AJ Dillon and Josiah DeGuara, I mean, they have one big thing in common, and that is limited usage. Uh, the big difference is AJ Dillon has been graded out as like a top five, top ten running back pretty much every year. So his lack of recognition, lack of breakout. I don't think is due to talent. I think it's due to a limited usage. Um, and you could say the same thing about Josiah because he's had limited usage as well, but his grades are in the tank, which is to say when PFF watches him play, they're not as impressed as, for example, I am. Um, and then I, I guess the final point, I, I dug up while you were talking all of the uh, current top tight ends. And, and I, I shouldn't just say top tight ends, but um, recognizably top tight ends, I guess. So we got Kelsey, Kittle, Dallas Goddard, and Mark Andrews. Um, Travis Kelsey's grades every year of his career, 84, 73, 88, 83, 87, 86, 93, 85, 91. I mean, it's it, his one down year was a 73 in year two. I mean, but as a rookie, he came out and dominated. Kittle was year two. He started at a 65, and then it was 90, 94, 84. For 90-85 this year. So it took him a year. Dallas Goddard, 75-82-79-90-78. Basically started as a rookie. Mark Andrews, 73-88-76-91-80. Basically started as a rookie. So I'm not going to say that that's the case for every single tight end, but unlike defensive tackle, let's say, there seems to be a difference with tight ends where if you got it, you got it. Um, you know, Kyle Pitts is a rookie, 80.3. You know what I mean? Um, Hawkinson was kind of a year two thing. Not that he's super great to begin with, but we could say that he was sort of a year two guy. Fryermuth, who's a good tight end, his two years, 72, 75. So there's a couple guys that are year two, but for the most part, it's kind of just if you got it, you got it. What was Zach Ertz here? Let's do this one as the last one. Yep, his rookie year. So his first three years in Philly, 80, 80, 82. And then it pretty much was downhill from there. I mean, 80, 80, 82, 71, 80, and then 75, 72, and then 57, 65, 62. His career just kind of ended at that point, but right out of the gate. So, you know, obviously we're talking small sample size, but just looking at it, Almost every single tight end that's good at football is good at football right out of the gate, with the exception of, I think, two that were in year two. So that isn't to say it's impossible that he takes a year three jump, but he would be the first one that I found <laughs> on this list that um, it took three years. Um, I mean, Njoku, he's been pretty bad for a long time. What was he a year five jump? One, a year four jump for him if you want to call it a jump, 66, 66, 50, and then 70, 70, 73. So it was more of a year four um, hop, maybe, uh, skip <laughs> from high mediocre to low good. But obviously I'm rooting for the guy. You all know I'm a big fan of his. Dude, it's Jimmy. Um, hey. It's late, as you can probably tell by the timestamp. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to make this brief, um, but I just want to say... Uh, thank you for um, the mention of Hi Ren. Yeah. Um, I don't know where that came from, but man, that thing is whew, stunning. Right. Um, I will just say that uh, I, I'm bringing it up again because I'm sure a lot of people didn't stop the podcast to go listen to and watch that immediately, but I did. And um, then I showed it to my girlfriend. Uh, and it's just it's it's really really stunning um and striking um his ability to uh as you mentioned take something that is 
so personal and, 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 and translate it into something so relatable. Um, but uh, the other thing that really hit me was there's this internal chaos and he was able to somehow turn that chaos into beauty yeah. to express what it's like to experience the chaos. It's like he synthesized, he like synthesized the, 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 the two different things. Anyway, it was, it was a great, great thing and everybody should go check out, uh, Ren and Hi Ren. Um, but, uh, also you're talking about parenting and, uh, yeah, man, you, you hit it. Uh, <laughs> it is, it is the biggest challenge. You want to be the parent that you wish you had, <laughs> but then when you are, you get a kid that would have disappointed the parents right. that you actually had, <laughs> right? then you feel like a disappointment internally. <laughs> it's wild. It is weird. Anyway, uh, obviously, I don't know how many of your listeners care about this kind of stuff. Probably just me. And um, me. But I think it's pretty, pretty fun that this community is, is uh, both passionate about the Packers and then also like, you know, chats about some other stuff here and there. So uh, thank you for what you do, Ryan. It's it's really it's real cool. Appreciate it. Go Pack Go. Yeah, it's funny because like somebody will call in and I'll kind of get into it and really like you know the, the the call yesterday from Omar the firefighter talking about rock and I man I got into it and like it was a fun chat between Omar and I you know and I'm sure Omar would have appreciated all the stuff I was saying and I liked all the stuff you and then like I realized I've been talking about this for like 15 minutes. How many people have turned this off because they're like, dude, this is, I want to hear about Packers. What are you talking about? And then there's like that little thing in my head that reminds me because I'm, dude, I'm off in fantasy land. Like I, I go on these tangents, as you know, but that's the thing. You guys love it because I go off on Packers tangents. I can, ta- if it's something I like, food, music, whatever, I'm, I'm off and running. And then again, after three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, freaking 20 minutes, however long, that thing goes off in my head like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you realize there's a huge audience. I don't know if they even like this. I don't know what's going on out there. Um, by the way, you have other calls. This is the call-in show. This is not the Ryan Talks for an hour show. That's the other show, so you probably should get to some other calls. So I agree. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know if it's like you call in to get your one topic talked about. Although you can kind of tell, like, with the horror thing, when things really rev up. By the way, I'm thinking about starting a whole new t-shirt thing that is just horror t-shirts because i tried to come up with some horror concepts and it's like i have got about 14 here that are freaking awesome and um i don't want to pick one and i don't want my packers store to be just horror stuff because i wanted because i thought it would be fun for the packernet community to have some kind of like a horror t-shirt or whatever i like the inside joke stuff that's why we did the pizza thing I don't know if anybody's going to buy that shirt, but I thought it'd be cool to have a pizza as life shirt. But anyways, going to have like 500,000 of those because they're freaking awesome. Like super awesome. I think I am going to do that. I think that's going to be a separate store because I love all of them. I mean, they're, some of them are super dark and creepy. Like this demonic little girl sitting by herself at a table in this like dilapidated little house or something. Like what the heck is that? I don't know, man. It's it's pretty cool. But anyways, yeah, to your point, because I'm doing it again, I never know. I don't know who's interested in high rent. I don't know who wants to listen to a, a conversation about music or rock music or horror shows or pizza, burgers, barbecuing, you know, grilling, making, you know, making your own pizza. Like, I, I have no idea who wants to listen to this stuff. But it, I agree it is cool that people can call in about whatever topic they feel like. And granted, sometimes I don't really know what to add to it because it doesn't apply to me, but sometimes it just kind of catches fire, man. And I'm sorry if you don't find that particular topic interesting, but I'm glad you guys are hanging out with me. I'm having fun. And yes, Hi Ren, fantastic song. Definitely should check it out. Hey, Ren, it's Nate. Hey. Wanted to call in and talk about a topic that's very near and dear to your heart, uh, Chat GPT. Oh, good I, Lord. I just saw that they have a paid version. This is going to be so long I was thinking. Chat. You know, I, I'm not saying, but maybe a little Patreon push, and then, uh, you know, you see what it can do. Maybe you give it access to all the different other... If I was a worse person, I would just lie and say I don't have it, and I would like to raise funds, but I, I already paid for it, so... Um, 
So there's that. I actually, I paid for it at first, and then there were like zero new features. I'm like, well, this is stupid. And then they came out with GPT-4, which is a much better version of ChatGPT. And I'm like, what the heck? It came out. Why can't I get it? And they're like, oh, you got to have the premium version in order to use it. Um, and so then I went back on and I, and I paid for it. So I'm also paying for the uh, premium art generation thing. So I'm a little bit uh, lost in the, uh, in the AI stuff. I enjoy it, though. It's fun. It's fun. I, I want to do more of it with Packer stuff because I thought that the the uh, AI generated mock draft was kind of fun. It's it's actually maybe more work than just doing a regular mock draft, but um, it was still fun. It's cool to just be like, "Hey, robot, what do you think makes the most sense?" I kind of want to do it again, and I got to think of different things that I can do um, to incorporate that. Like, what robots? Th- I I actually I forgot. I did it with um, the trade. I think, and I think we talked about that. Anyway, sorry, continue. Your subscriptions that you have, yeah. um, have it run all the numbers, and maybe it can start predicting some draft picks. I, I don't know. I know. I got I to gotta get know. in it's there. Supposed to be, I got to do it. Um, several times more powerful it is. than uh, the last one, because this is the chat GPT-4. Mm-hmm. And the paid version, apparently, they uh, they gave it the bar exam, and it passed in the 90th percentile. Right. Right. Um, they they had to do the SATs. I think you got a perfect score. They gave it all these different tests, and it was able right. to uh, to pass those. Um, it can also look at a meme that you like, right. copy an image and send it the meme, and it can tell you exactly what's in that picture, what's in the meme, and it can tell you why it's funny. You know what's really? Uh, maybe you're going to say it. Let's see here. Which is kind of crazy when you actually think about that. So I don't know. Maybe we uh, maybe we all get together. Send you uh, send you some money. I think it's twenty bucks a month. Yeah. So. Think about it. Um, Listen, I'm all for it. If you guys want to pitch in to help out with some of my expenses. Again, that's kind of what Patreon is helping for. Dude, the amount of things that come out of my PayPal, I look at it. See, it's tax. It's it's around tax time. And every year I look at it, I'm like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. The amount of things, these subscriptions that I have, just some of it is like Trello, where I keep my notes, or Canva, which I very rarely use, or... You know, like YouTube stuff. I don't even use YouTube. They jacked the price on that thing that I use the live streams for. And I'm like, dude, I'm canceling it, but we're doing the draft. In a month, so I can't cancel. But after the draft, I'm done. Because that is freaking expensive. I didn't realize how much that costs. I thought it was way less. There's a lot of a lot of expenses. Um, so patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. It is, um, I think I'm, what did I pay? I think I paid like $10,000 in expenses for this podcast this past year. Um, so, yeah, so there's that. Granted, some of that is a little bit higher because I've been paying um, the other hosts on the show. So technically, by supporting Packernet Podcast, you're supporting them. Although that's not really fair. Scrap that one. By listening, you're supporting them. But yes, it, it is a very, uh, it's become an expensive endeavor. But anyways, another one of the features, and by the way, I don't know, I don't have that ability. I don't know where to do it exactly. Maybe I'm just an idiot. I think there's like some additional features or whatever, but I don't have that ability to upload images yet. I can do it on another thing. But anyways, one of the features that they showed, just to give you guys an idea of how powerful things are right now, and you got to understand with AI it grows exponentially. So in one year, it's going to be a billion times. And I think the image generation stuff is where it's really, really going to take off. Because, you know, when you think about it, a year ago, the images were gross. I remember I went over to that Dolly thing and I tried it. This was, I mean, this was maybe like a year ago and I tried to do so. It was so stupid. Like everybody was doing it. It was like this big thing. And I tried it. Like you can type in something and it generated an image. And I'm like, this is horrible looking. And now the pictures are freaking unbelievable. But anyways, when GPT-4 came out, now because one of the things that it added to it is that it can read or view and understand images. Somebody wrote down on a piece of paper in text that you can barely understand, like four lines of a, a uh, just like, I want a website, I want the website to have this, da, 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 uploaded that image. So it's a picture. GPT-4 could understand the picture and it coded, coded the website. It wrote out the code. He copy and pasted that and had his website that he wrote on a piece of paper and uploaded. So 
Yeah, a lot of it's funny because I'm kind of obsessed with AI and everyone's like, oh, you're, you know, whatever. Like it's, they treat it like it's not going to be a big thing. It's like, you have no freaking idea. But again, with the, the image stuff, what happens when you put a bunch of images together? It's called a video. So in very short period of time, you're going to be able to do what we could do with pictures a little while ago with videos. You're going to type in, make me a video of this, and it'll be like a 60-second video, and it'll probably suck. And then in another year, you can do a 60-second video, and it'll be as good as the pictures are. There will be a time in the very near future where you can type out something, and you can get basically like an hour-long YouTube video if you wanted it. And there will be entire YouTube videos and YouTube channels dedicated to people who just type out crap. You'll be able to do entire mock drafts with some guy walking to the podium, and probably you can make it you without you ever taking the, the, the thing. You can upload your image, and it'll be you walking to the podium with a full audience cheering or booing you or whatever you want it to do, saying, with the first pick in the 2027 NFL draft, the Chicago Bears obviously select Royce Chamberlain, quarterback Stanford. I don't know. I made that up. I'm not guessing I'm telling you that this is going to happen. The things that you see on GPT-4 in the very near future, people are already doing this, but in the very near future will be embedded into your PCs. So you can take it offline and still have this robot that can tell you pretty much anything you want to know. Search engines will entirely be what Bing Chat is, because search engines are essentially useless compared to what Bing Chat and things like that can do. There, there are still tweaks that need to be made because they're not perfect, but... Obviously, this is like the first iteration. They're going to get significantly better and rapidly. Because again, exponential growth. This is just the tip of the iceberg. If you think about it, a lot of this stuff, especially I think Google is doing it, but I, I, they're all learning. So as millions of people, which by the way, this is the fastest growing network out there. Like it grew faster than TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. The, the fastest to a million users of any of these things. And as all these people are using it, What's happening? These robots are learning, and they're growing, and it's just going to happen faster and faster and faster and faster. Education. This, this, this is, education is a complete joke in this country and probably a bunch of other places. I was thinking about that this morning. There's a very easy way to, to fix it or whatever, but we don't even need to worry about that because let, let me just give you one example of an area of society that can rapidly improve. I know everybody's worried about it. Oh, the robots will take over and we're all going to die. Who gives a crap? If the robots don't take over, we're all going to end up nuking each other anyways, or a freaking asteroid's going to hit us. We're all going to die sometime. I'm not worried about the stupid robots turning into the Terminator and killing us all. I, pro I would prefer a robot killing me than some psychopath jag-off that decided that their values are more important than my values. If, you're gonna, if, if we're going to wipe out civilization, I'd rather have robots kill all of us. You want true egalitarianism? There it is. Rather than some jerk who decided that my values are most important, trying to take over the entire country, strip me of my values and my, my rights and my liberties and uh, oppressing me and everybody else. Screw you. Let the robots sort it out. Anyways, education. Education is garbage. For a billion reasons, it's pure garbage. Right, the way that we go about education, right? It's all about the you know the the industrial area era as opposed to what actual modern civilization looks like. It's overpriced. It's you know underfunded. Whatever you want to, whatever it is, right? It's just it's not good. Imagine a robot that already knows everything that you can assign to a child, and it essentially acts as a feedback loop for this child. It will understand what it knows and what it doesn't know. It can teach the child and learn how the child learns. If you're a visual learner, if you are whatever it is, and it will use the way that you learn to teach you the things that you need to know and bring you along at the speed that you're able to go along with. It'll understand when you're getting exhausted, when you're getting tired, when you need less, when you need more. It can point you in the direction of areas of interest and away from things that you're not interested in. And it can help you to grow in the best possible way for you as an individual to grow. Now, will we ever get there? Probably not, because we have these things called teacher unions, which are going to fight back against any form of innovation, which is going to take away what they want, which is their job, which, fair enough, you don't want to lose your job, I get that, but innovation is going to win in the end. And the super crazy thing about a lot of this stuff, which is going to make it hard to progress, is that things like this are not taking away janitors' jobs. Janitors get to keep their jobs. Cashiers get to keep their jobs. You know who's losing their jobs? Lawyers? <laughs> I mean, they might not lose their job, but they're losing a lot of their... It's a lot of the high-level intellectual stuff. Artists, high creativity. It's the people at the high end of society. Professors. It's people that have a lot more pull. I mean, think about it. You, you think lawyers are going to let this happen? No. <laughs> they're going to pass laws. 
politicians, et cetera, et cetera, because politicians are mostly lawyers, to prevent a lot of this stuff. But again, I, 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 innovation in the end always wins. And it will win. Because people like us who homeschool will want to use these solutions. Of course, then what will happen is, well, we have to take that away because homeschool kids are going to be infinitely more intelligent than kids that go to, for example, public schools because they're using these feedlip back loop computers. And we can't let them get far ahead because then everybody will homeschool their children and no one will send us to us. And then we're all going to lose our jobs and it's going to be horrible. So we have to force children to stay in these subpar garbage institutions as opposed to actually letting them get ahead because my job is more important than the students, et cetera, et cetera. But I have faith, again, that innovation will win. I know a lot of people think that's horrible because jobs are more important than us all growing and thriving and surviving and at a much higher level. And we have no confidence that people who lose their jobs will be able to find better jobs because obviously we'd be much better if we went back in time before innovation, right? That's what everybody's clamoring for. Oh, wait, no, they're not. Things are always getting better and nobody wants to go backward. So maybe we should have some faith that things will get better. Get over the hurdle. Give up the job. Go get a new one. Who knows, maybe we'll do this whole universal income thing, which I don't fully understand. But if things get too crazy, we're going to have to figure something out. Let the robots handle all the crap. By the way, did you know there's an all AI rock band right now? And one of the concerns is, well, they're ripping off other people. No, they're not. The way that they did it is they had musicians and linguists come in for hours and hours and hours and just jam and rock and everything. And the AI learned about chord progressions and things like that. And it started producing music. And there is a song on YouTube right now that you can go listen to with millions of views that is pretty freaking incredible and i think they used maybe ai i'm not sure but it's it's like this uh uh i don't know ai generated music video or whatever but it's it's uh it's pretty good and again we're just dipping our toe in so you can sit around and laugh and mock and say oh this is stupid it's just some kind of fad or whatever Mm, no it's not it's going to take over every facet of society And you can get on the train or you can sit around and talk about how the robots are going to take over and they're politically biased and all this nonsense and piss and moan and whine and let everybody else just waltz right past you. I guess that would be up to you. Hey, Ryan. um, Easter night. Happy Easter. Hope you had a good Easter with the family. I did. Thank you. Got the fire up your grill. Um, But anyway, I'm getting caught up. I'm behind on podcasts. Um, But I'm just, I'm so sick of hearing it's, you know, Packers people, it's everybody in the media like thinking you need all these elite players, that that's what leads to Super Bowls, and I don't know, it's just hilarious to me, like look at the Patriots with their dynasty winning all those Super Bowls can you, and their defenses were always great, like that is one of the reasons they got there and we did in my opinion, is they always had very good defenses, Mm -hmm. but can you name like a handful of historically great players on those Patriots defenses over those years. I mean, every year we're talking about these no-names, and even in recent years, I feel like you've talked about these teams that make it far, the playoffs, maybe the Super Bowl, and you're looking at the defense, and the defense has a great grade as a whole, but you're looking at the individual players, and their grades suck. And it's like, they just work as a unit. They're cohesive. I don't know if it's coaching or what. I mean, I'm a big proponent to, like, the chemistry of the defense is – just as important as the skill level of the players. I mean, I feel like you never see these defenses that have all these stacked talent that wins the Super Bowl. I mean, it just doesn't happen because then you can't pay money everywhere else. So, I mean, it's just like just like the draft. Like, attributes only get you so far. When it comes down to the end of the day, it's being a good football player. The attributes help, but you just need to be a good football player. And you just need to be a good defense, be a good offense. Um, you, don't, you don't always need all these superstars. I mean... Look at Brock Purdy and Sam Fran this past year. I mean, I'm not saying he's not going to be a good quarterback, but it's not like he did anything exceptional or great. They just, they worked, they were a cohesive offensive unit, and they still managed to get deep into the playoffs. So, I don't know. I just, I, I don't want to hear about the big name signings anymore. I want the team to play as a team. And I think, I think that's what's been missing for a long time. And, you know, the more I hear, I always, I never, I always thought Rogers was just a punching bag, but the, the more you hear about it, you just kind of, kind of think there's something to it that with him, Everybody wasn't going to play as a team, and I think love is going to be a big boost for us playing as a team. Um, and the only other thing is, the uh, second thing um, all I hear about is how Duke can't draft, draft in the third round, and I agree, he can't. But you know what I'm calling this year? He's heard all the slander. He's going <laughs> to nail a third-round draft pick, and that's going to be uh, – he's going to be our best rookie on whatever side of the ball this year. I'm calling it now. So – be on the lookout. Third round pick. Goody's going to be corrected this year. 
Go Pack Go. Well, I appreciate your optimism. I'm planning on having a funeral for whoever the Packers draft in the third round. Um, assuming we end up doing a live stream, which has not been planned yet. Um, I know it's a heck of a grind. I, I did talk briefly to JJ had asked about it. Um, and obviously it's, it's hard for anybody to commit because it is, I'm, I'm telling you, it is rough doing that full thing. But um, I think that that would be um, appropriate. Whenever the third round comes around and the Packers make a pick, assuming they do make a pick, uh, if we have a funeral for that player, um, and just apologize prof- profusely because the Packers have ruined that young man's career. But, yeah, I mean, to your point, I just pulled it up real quick. Um, just read off the 2018 New England defense, and you can determine whether or not you think that they're elite or not. Um, defensive line, they had one guy that graded out really, really well, and that was Lawrence Guy. Um, otherwise, they had Malcolm Brown, big name, but he had a 63 grade that year. Adam Butler, 57 grade. Um, let's see, edge rushers. Number one guy was Trey Flowers. Um, he was quite good for the Patriots. I know he didn't necessarily go on to have the greatest career, although I do think he was underrated with Detroit. But Trey Flowers, um, and then it was Dietrich Wise, who had a 60 grade, and Adrian Claiborne, who had a 67 grade. And then kind of down the line, John Simon, 67, and Keonta Davis, 49. At linebacker, Kyle Van Noy, 70 grade. Uh, Dante Hightower, 63. Um, Those are the top two. And then Alandon Roberts had a 69 grade. At corner... They had Stephon Gilmore, who that was the year that Stephon Gilmore blew up. He was phenomenal that year. Um, Jason McCourty, 82 grade, and then uh, Jonathan Jones was a 63. So they had two really solid corners, and then Jonathan Jones maybe not quite so much. Um, They also had J.C. Jackson, 69 grade, and a couple others kind of down the line there. Um, And then finally, safety, Devin McCourty, 80.6, and Patrick Chung, 72. So... It is what it's always kind of been, or I shouldn't say always, but at least in recent memory, um, heavy on DB talent, right? Two really good corners and two solid to good safeties. Aside from that, not so much. Uh, They had one pass rusher, one defensive tackle, and that's pretty much it. I think what Kyle Van Noy was good. He was good. Uh, Not elite, but solid. But again, I think you're right. It, it was it had more to do the, the the defense was great overall. I'm not trying to say that they weren't good, but it had more to do not so much with just being elite at every position because they weren't. One pass rusher, they didn't have a, a second pass rusher or a third or a fourth. They didn't have multiple. You know, it's like well, we got Kenny Clark, but he has no help. Well, they didn't have anybody aside from Lawrence Guy. That was it. It's not about being perfect at every position. It's about You've got your stars, but more importantly than that, it's coming together as a team. And, um, you know, I I can't speak to what's going to happen to our locker room when Jordan Love takes the helm. But I'll I'll say this. I think a team needs a good quarterback, and Aaron Rodgers is a good quarterback. But I think a team also needs to be a team, and it hasn't been that for a lot of Aaron Rodgers' tenure, right? I mean, when was the last time this really felt like a close-knit team? Maybe back in 2020, I think they were kind of having fun, but maybe a little bit too much fun. I don't, I don't know. It wasn't, it, it, it wasn't about football. It was about they were friends, and they were partying and having fun, but it wasn't necessarily about football. I'm talking about a group of guys that were just about business. You know, again, I hate to keep using the example, but the Detroit Lions, they're a team and they're a really close-knit unit, but it's not close like, hey, we're going to go party this weekend. It's close like we as a team, as a family, are going to come together on this one thing, which is called winning freaking football games and being great. And 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 the, the great thing about the Patriots, whether they liked it or not, Bill Belichick sort of demanded that. It was about the work. Maybe, maybe they didn't like Bill Belichick. Maybe they didn't like being a Patriot, but they're going to do the work or they won't be a Patriot. So it was a little bit of a dictatorship, but the point is they're going to come together, they're going to work as a team, and they're going to do their freaking job. And that's what works. And we're trying to make it more of a team-led effort. In other words, it's um, we're looking for the Patriots' dictatorship outcome, but on a volunteer basis, right? So we're, we're trying to build like communist China, but we're trying to get people to volunteer to be slaves, you know? It's a tough ask, but what's 
required is passion and passion for football. This psychotic desire to be great, to put in the work when you don't have to, like, you know, showing up for OTAs and whatnot. It's voluntary. I know that's that's a very low bar to entry to prove that you care even on a slight basis. So you're right. You, you don't need greatness everywhere, but you do need good players. But good players also aren't enough. And, and I think this is the biggest thing that I've been hammering. And again, cheeseballing is that guy I've been arguing with on Twitter. He said he was going to call in, which is good. Let, let, let me let me just say this. There is no question that you can point to multiple times that Brian Gutekunst could have done a better job of getting talent on this team. That's not debatable. We can all do it, right? I just saw Zach Cruz on Twitter pointed out the 2021 class. We took Josh Myers one pick before Creed Humphrey, who's one of the best centers in football. We took Amari or whatever. What? What? what who was it? I forget. We, we took somebody else several picks before this person who was really, really good. So you can go all through the draft and say this person was better than this person and this person was better than this person. Again, context would dictate that you can do that to everybody and you can't expect perfection. But again, the reality is you could have done a better job at any point. And that includes adding people like OBJ, adding this, adding that, which as he later pointed out, we did try to get OBJ, which I forgot about. But then it's like, what the heck are you complaining about? He did try to add the talent. OBJ decided he wanted to go to LA, which now, twice he has decided he'd rather go somewhere else than to play with Rodgers, who I thought they were really good friends and all that stuff. But anyways, it's probably about the money. Although with L.A., I don't think it was about the money. He wanted to be in L.A. But anyways, there are always things you can do. But I just think we're focusing on the wrong thing. Again, we're, it's, it's ridiculously overly high expectation. If you want me to concede that there were moments in time where the team could have been marginally improved, I will concede that. If you will concede that that's true of all 32 teams and that it's a useless conversation to have, and that if we go get a new GM, we're not going to have a different result because that GM is going to be in the exact same situation. So why are we bothering to have the conversation? I want to fix the problem. And by focusing on what you're focusing on, we're not going to fix the problem. We're just going to piss and moan. If we want to fix the problem, in my opinion, we need to focus on the things that matter. And the, and the thing that's broken is, why are the really good pieces not coming together as a team and, and playing at a really high level, especially when it matters the most? Why are we not seeing this team come together to be better than the sum of its parts as opposed to worse? That, to me, is the real issue at hand. But if you'd like to go get a new GM who's not going to produce any better results for all the billions of reasons I've already laid out, one of which, especially, I think earlier today I laid out on the podcast, is that a lot of this comes down to freaking luck as far as adding talent, then I guess that's your prerogative. You can focus on new GM, and then we get a new GM, and he's not going to fulfill your desires, and then you get a new GM. And, and again, that's the reason I tell you, go find another GM. And I've never had anybody come back and say, here's the one I want. You know why? Because that GM, the best in all of football, has the exact same weaknesses. They have misses. There are moments I'm going to be able to look and say, you took this player here, it would have been better to take this player here. There are going to be instances you can point out where they could have added that player and been a little bit better. For example, OBJ could have gone to the Ravens, could have gone to any of those other teams out there, could have gone to the Chiefs to help get them over the hump. Any of these teams. So again, it's just not a worthwhile conversation, and it does not get me to say, therefore, good is garbage, because then I'd have to say, therefore, all 32 GMs are garbage, which leads me to believe that this conversation, again, that we're having is not a worthwhile conversation and that we're not really looking at things the right way. All we're trying to do is compare Brian Gutekunst and the situation we're in to a utopian vision and saying, we're not there, therefore this sucks. Which hilariously, again, reflecting in society, we get that a lot too. Compare where we're at to utopia, we're not there, therefore there's problems, therefore we need to tear everything down and rebuild it. And it's like, well, okay, that's not a super worthwhile conversation to have because we'll never be uh, at your vision of society. We have to accept imperfection on some level, I think. But unfortunately, you know, until the robots take over and wipe us all out, that's just the way it's going to go. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to support the podcast, please check out the t-shirts. Also, FertileGroundRanchDiscipleshipMinistry.org. See if that is an organization, a ministry that you'd be interested in supporting. Uh, my uh, parents are taking a trip pretty soon here to Africa. There is a church out there. I don't even remember the country, but they're interested in um, being an offshoot of Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. So that is very cool, and we hope that that is fruitful. So again, if you're interested in supporting FertileGroundRanch.org, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. 
We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. <clears throat> hey, Ryan. It's Seth. Hey. Um, got a few things for you today. First one is, if you were the Jets, would you be worried or excited by the fact that Rodgers is planning on retiring until he? This is like, you know, the darkest treat and heard their reports um, that the Packers didn't want him anymore. So, you know, would you be worried because this guy wanted to retire and maybe doesn't have drive anymore? Or would you be excited because maybe uh, the best Rodgers is the Rodgers with the big chip on his shoulder? Uh, that's my first thing. Yeah, I mean, that, that is a great question. Um, I think ultimately, especially if you're talking about just a one-year, like if you're okay with him just playing one year, you probably are going to get the best version of Rodgers. Um, I mean, and, and I've said it before. I mean, yeah, you go off, win MVP, all that stuff, congratulations, right? I mean, th- this is when Rodgers is at his best. When he gets slighted by the 49ers, when he gets slighted by Jordan Love and Brian Gutekunst, when he gets slighted by the Packers. I mean, th- this is when he does his absolute best work. And, um, yeah, I, I, I would think that that is probably for the best. Now, it's not for the long term, but you're not in it for the long term anyways with Aaron Rodgers. This is a short-term proposition. So I guess probably ultimately excited. But, yeah, I mean, in the long run, Rodgers doesn't want to play football anymore. He doesn't have a passion for football. He's, he's, he's entirely hopped up on rage, right? It, it's not about the love of the game. He wants to retire. He doesn't want to play anymore. Um it's not even about championships. It's not about winning. It's about, you know, being better than... And the, the only thing I guess I would be worried about is what happens if Jordan Love is bad and the Packers are bad. Rodgers can coast and still prove that he's better than Jordan Love. So you kind of want the Packers and Jordan Love to be good because Rodgers is going to absolutely 1,000% have to outpace Jordan Love. If Rodgers plays like he did last year and Jordan Love is better than him, that is going to be catastrophic for Aaron Rodgers and his um his ego. And and the fact of the matter is I can't see him allowing that to happen. He'll do everything in his power to make sure that he proves the point that he wants to prove. Um <clears throat> secondly, shoot, what was my second question? I had something ready for you. Not sure. Uh we'll bring back to that. Um third question. Uh I had another thought. And that was, you grew up in Chicago, so I'm guessing you grew up by a lot of Bears fans. I don't yep. know if your family is Bears fans or not, or if they didn't care about football. 
Um, I grew up in a Bears household, so that was interesting for me growing up and wanting to become a Packers fan. It's actually my wife. We met in high school, but she was like, why do you, uh, you know, my family was Bears fans, and I I could never pick a team. I bounced between teams, and she's like, don't follow them. They suck kind of thing. And so I ended up becoming a Packers fan years ago, but that a lot of thanks to her. Um, so I'm curious, you know, did you, uh, how was that being a Packers fan in Chicago? Um, how did you become a Packers fan? Love to hear that story. And, uh, well, if I think of the other thought I had for you, I will, uh, give you a call back. All right. Talk to you later. Appreciate it, Seth. Yeah. So my dad grew up in Wisconsin. So he moved down to Illinois to get a job at O'Hare Airport because he had, uh, um, technical training in, um, airline repair so he got a job at o'hare working for continental um actually got a job during the strikes so he was a scab got death threats the whole nine yards um but anyways so i grew up there and and he met my mom i believe working at o'hare so um she was a bears fan and uh her family my mom's side is all bears fans so there is a little bit of that although i was never super um close with that side of the family. Not, not, I mean, there was no problems or anything. It just, you know, my mom wasn't really a part of my life or whatever. So that's kind of that side. But anyways, they're all Bears fans. Um, my dad ended up getting remarried. And so this new stepmom person was semi Bears fan, her kids semi Bears fans. So I had step brothers that were kind of Bears fans, but Eventually, the whole household became a Packers household. They were all very young, and I don't think my stepmom really cared all that much and was willing to adopt the uh, Packers fandom. So it just became kind of a Packers household. And as far as um, growing up in the area of Packer fan, I enjoyed it. I, I relished it. It was fun. Uh, it was mostly uh, good-hearted. One of my favorite teachers was in second grade. Um, I believe her last name was Messino. So if anybody knows Mrs. Messino, she was super cool. Um, and she used to always give me a bunch of crap about being a Packer fan, and I'd give it back to her and all that kind of stuff. So it was a lot of lighthearted ribbing or whatever. And I remember my um, when we were up in the Wisconsin Dells, my parents got a T-shirt that was wildly inappropriate, and I didn't understand the joke. Me and my brother didn't get it, but we knew that it was an inappropriate joke. And um, I mean, that... that I'm not going to finish the joke, but maybe you can figure it out. It's the Packers may suck, but the Bears, whatever. Um, anyways, I was told never to repeat it. So anyways, me and Mrs. Messino are getting into it in the hallway. We're going back and forth, and I'm like, oh, yeah? Well, my dad has a shirt that says, duh. And then the, my teacher, she just froze and stared at me and then started busting up laughing. I'm like... And I'm not sure what that means. Uh, and I wasn't supposed to tell you that. But, you know. And then I think I went home and told my parents that I said it. And they thought it was kind of funny. Like, sort of one of those, like, oh, no. But also, that's kind of funny. But yeah, it was, it was most, I mean, it's not like I got beat up. And I, I was in the suburbs of Chicago. I wasn't in, like, you know, the south side of Chicago or anything like that. I grew up in Hanover Park. Mostly, I was all over the place. But it was mostly Hanover Park. So, yeah, it was, it was mostly, you know, the Packers would win. I'd show up in all my Packers gear. And then I would... Everybody, oh, Packers suck, Packers suck. Which is so funny because it's like, this is, this is, I feel like when I go on social media, it's the same kind of things that I heard from second graders that I'm still hearing. Like, Packers suck, Packers suck. It's like, but you guys actually suck. And we're like really good. So you're an idiot. So yeah, same Bears fans and same level of intellect from grown adults on Twitter that I had from children so um not a lot of growing up has happened over the years hey ryan it's seth uh calling back seth i still haven't thought of that initial <laughs> thought i had but i, I had another sure. question for you someone called into after dark the other day and said something about the packers special teams I thought they said that we ranked number one last season that can't be right i mean i know we got better but i thought we were still like bottom third or bottom half the pack let's see um, in the NFL. Obviously, can a lot you, of ways uh, to check. I tried to look it up on PFF, but I'm not a subscriber, so it was blocked. Can you tell us uh, what, the, what the special teams ranked? Maybe uh, 
talk about like both, you know, kick, punt, return, etc. Um, would love to hear those, uh, hear those rankings. All right, later. I shall do my best. Again, there's no like official. I know there's somebody that does like official, uh, tries to call it the official special teams rankings, but of course that's self-proclaimed. I think DVOA is probably the best way to do it, and you're right. Um, 2022 DVOA for the season, 17th. Weighted DVOA, which looks at more close to the end of the season, uh, weights those heavier than the beginning of the season, was 12th. Yeah, I'm trying to find... I cannot remember how you search by specific weeks. I was doing that a lot last year, and now I forget how to do all that. But the bottom line is, yeah, they, they were one of the worst special teams units to start the season. And that's why everybody said Rich Bisaccia, you know, hiring him didn't work, blah, 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 all this garbage. Everybody was furious, fire Bisaccia. And then they became, I think, the number one special teams unit. I don't know when that happened and over what period of time that happened. But yeah, averaged out for the season, they were 17th. So about in the middle range, which would make sense. If you were the best at the end of the season and the worst at the beginning of the season, you would average out to be pretty mediocre. How the heck do you split this up? I know there's a way. I know there's a way. Oh, you got to go to overall team thing. There we go. Yeah, so funny enough, for the 2022 season, the Green Bay Packers... Uh, oh, wait, no, that's the Bears. It's not really lined up right. Anyways, the Packers were at a negative, which is technically positive for special teams, 0.5. So 0.5% better than your average, but almost exactly average for the season. But yeah, starting in uh, week 10, they were the fourth best special teams unit. Or from, from week 10 to the end of the season, they were the fourth best. Week 11 on, they were the second best. And then they took over as the number one special teams unit starting from week 12 on. So that's when they became top dogs. Jack Papa. Hey. Uh, calling in because your OBG take kind of aged like milk from like 10 minutes into the podcast and... Can you believe the Ravens gave him $15 million? No. Uh, what? I've blown my ACL out a few times. I, I could probably get minimum. <laughs> um, additionally, the um, buying, going all in, spending money crap. I mean, oh, it's, you can be quiet. I'm quiet, trying to talk to your grandfather. All right. Um, <laughs> so the... Spending money on free agents, you just listed a whole bunch of teams that sucked and spent money. Um, I feel like there's a whole generation of folks, or I don't know, maybe we're forgetting about the late 1990s and the early 2000s Washington Redskins. I mean, if you could buy a championship, they would have won. They would have been the Patriots. Yeah. But you can't buy championships. Going all in isn't just buying players. Um, appreciate your takes. I'm sure you're going to contradict everything I said now when I go back to listening to the podcast. So, um, anyhow, talk to you later. Yeah, they, it's, I mean, yeah, I obviously agree with you about the, you know, remember the Philadelphia Eagles dream team and all that stuff? That was hilarious. And it, I remember them going over how brilliant it was and the cap maneuvering and how they were able to afford all these different elite players. I forget who exactly they were, but a lot of like DBs and stuff. Um, it was just these, this brilliant maneuvering by the Philadelphia Eagles to be able to masterfully work the cap to acquire some of the top names and free agency all on the exact same team. That team sucked, right? And again, yeah, well, it worked for Tampa Bay. Well, no, it really didn't. They didn't spend nearly as much money as a lot of other teams and they were the they were not the top team same with the rams and everything else nobody has ever paid their way to being the best team in football and then won a super bowl that has not yet happened I'm not saying it's impossible it would be odd if it didn't happen at some point or or i should say if it uh if if somebody did that and they never won a super bowl or whatever that wouldn't be strange but you know cuz eventually you'd win something but first you got to figure out how to buy the best team in football but again, it doesn't matter. It's all just about this is this is what I think, and I'm going to try to change the narrative to make it seem like what I think is the best way to do things is the best way to do things, and these things prove that I'm right. Even if they don't, I'm going to pretend that they do because, I don't know, it's just, it's 
it's getting boring at this point, especially considering I've hammered it from every single possible conceivable angle. And if you're still not on board, then I guess you're just not on board. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. As far as the OBJ thing, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's pretty shocking. I, I know it's like up to, was it 15 or 18? I thought it was like 18. Up to 18 million, which I don't know how much is incentive-based. If this is like 5 million, that could be 18 million or what. I don't know exactly how low is the uh, guarantees. Actually, I could probably look up what is the guaranteed money. So it's a base salary of 1.165 million, but then there was a signing. So it is a one-year $15 million. million signing bonus. So yeah, this is uh, basically fully guaranteed. I thought, so is it 15 up to 18? What what were they talking about up to something? This looks like 15 million fully guaranteed to me. I don't know. That's freaking crazy. And of course, it's only a $3.9 million cap hit because the Ravens are brilliant genius cap wizards. No, they're not. They used void years to spread out the money. And next year, they're going to pay a bazillion dollars for OBJ to not be on their team. $11 million to be precise. Can you imagine $11 million for him to not be on your team? That's so dumb. But I guess, what, what, what is it average out to? You're paying $15 million for one year. Just like, you know, Roger's situation. Whether you spread it out or not, it all comes back to, here's the total amount and here's the years. I mean, it is what it is. And yeah, I, I find that to be staggering. Maybe the, the only thing I could think in terms of this being a good idea is if this is the cost to getting a deal done with Lamar, and that is a reasonable deal, maybe it could be worth it. You know, if you're able to get that franchise quarterback at a price that you find reasonable, um, then I guess it was worth it. Plus, I mean, you still get Odell services, even if he's not worth $15 million, What is he worth? Seven. So you paid an extra eight million for Odell Beckham to be able to lock up your quarterback. It would be worth it. But if if the quarterback doesn't come back, this is the dumbest thing ever. You're not really a competitive team without Lamar. So you got Odell Beckham for what purpose? I don't know. So th- th- this is as far as I can tell. This is Lamar bait. And if it works, then congrats. And you get Lamar and Odell and. Who knows? Maybe you can actually take a make a run. But yeah, I mean, as far as his actual worth at 30 years old and two ACL tears and whatever other injuries he's had, and he hasn't really been a good, like, dominant football player since he was with the Giants, what, like, freaking 10 years ago, for crying out loud? So, um, yeah, somebody posted something about, what was it, over the last three years, Odell's been about as good as Alan Lazard? Because that's, like, the big thing, is comparing the two players and if you actually compare them side by side, it, the production is about the same. I don't know if that factors in him being gone. I don't think so. I think it's over the period of snaps or something. Or or maybe it's like a per snap thing. I think because yards per attempt, yards per game or whatever. I don't know. I, it wasn't that interesting. It was just, it was kind of funny. But yeah, I mean, the, the production from Odell has not been phenomenal. Again, when the Rams took him on, he didn't play at all last year, by the way, which should negate a lot of value. Um, he was terrible. He was absolutely terrible before he went to the Rams. And then he was pretty bad with the Rams for the most part, but he kind of just picked it up a little bit in the postseason. It's kind of like, uh, who the heck is that quarterback? Backed up Carson Wentz. You know, I'm talking about won a Super Bowl, et cetera, et cetera. That guy was just hot garbage, but he caught freaking fire and was elite for two games. And the two games happened to be the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. And then they won a Super Bowl on the back of that. Does that mean he's worth a billion dollars? No, he's worth nothing. He's a, he's a backup quarterback. I mean, not nothing, but you, you get what I'm saying. He's it just because he caught fire in two games doesn't mean anything. Hey, Ryan, uh, you're talking about right now how you're getting a little worried about wide receiver situation, and um, I don't know. I'm honestly not. I'm kind of in the sink or swim mentality. I would love to see Watson the one, Dobbs the two, and then Josiah Deguara as our leading tight end. And, you know, see how the year goes. I'm, I, I've seen enough of receivers running wide open in that before scheme and Rogers just not throwing it to them that I believe Jordan Love will make those throws to the wide open guy. We saw at the inverse, Billy. Watson didn't do anything special. He ran across the middle of the field wide open. Uh, yeah. Love hit him. He took it to the house. I mean, that's all you got to do. But Rogers never would have thrown that ball. He never would have thrown it to Watson over the middle like that. Um, We've also talked about how the Packers don't really play young players a ton. Um, I'd love to see what can happen if we have these young guys 
get thrust into the front and, uh, you know, they, they have to do it. Um, I'm also, I'm not out on DeGuara yet. I mean, I get it. He hasn't done a ton. Um, but I, I just think that Rogers has no idea what to do with the tight end at this point. I mean, he never has in his whole career. So, um, I'm going to call it now. DeGuara, 800 yards receiving and Dobbs and Watson combined for over 2000 yards on the season. My prediction. I think my, my concern, it's not, I'm not saying I think, you know, Dobbs and Watson are bad and, you know, you're, you're not right about the, you know, being more able to hit them more. It's, it's the fact that there's a question mark, you know, okay, if they're good, how good, you know, we know I, I'm comfortable saying Christian Watson will, will not be what he was last year in that stretch, at least statistically, right? I mean, that, that was absurd or whatever it was, eight touchdowns in four games or something just ridiculous. So he's not going to be that. So what's he going to be? What is, like, the standard week-to-week? Is it going to be one of those guys, like, you know, in fantasy football that you pick up because he blew up and had 150 yards and two touchdowns, and then you play him, and he pretty much never does that again? And then, you know, four weeks later, you're like, screw this, and then you drop him. And then um, after you drop him, they do it again, and you're like, dang it. You know, and you, or, or you put him on your bench and you never really know where, when to... Is he going to be that guy that has, like, one just blow-up game and then otherwise it's, like, 20 yards or something um, and two receptions? Or what? And, then, and same with Dobbs. You know, it was what we saw that time when he was really good and then you got the Devontae comparisons from uh, Matt LaFleur and all that stuff. Like, is, is that maybe where we're leaning or... It's it's the question mark coupled with just the complete lack of bodies. We've got two guys on the team that I have at least some level of confidence with, and I don't know how much confidence with. And as much as Lazard and Cobb didn't provide a ton, they at least provided something. There was some kind of a backstop to disaster. Um, we knew what their floor was. They were people that knew the scheme, knew where to run, when to run, and, and could potentially get open at least a little bit, could block, could do this, that, the other thing. We don't have that. And I know there's a lot of hype about Samori Ture. I don't have a lot of excitement about him. He is something, but I don't think it's a ton. And so it's like, well, do we go get veterans to be a backstop? But then we know they're not going to be very good, or at least quite positive they're not going to be very good. Um, And they probably don't understand the scheme unless we go get somebody that does, which, you know, again, you look at that Trevor Davis. Not Trevor Davis. What am I talking about? Um, Good Lord. the, The freaking Jets guy who played with Matt LaFleur, right? He's he's played at a high level. He played with Matt LaFleur. It makes a lot of sense. It's an additional body. I'm I'm on, in favor of it. Um but yeah, I mean it's it's the lack of bodies, it's the last lack of talent, it's the lack of experience, you know, rookies, they don't have NFL experience, they don't have uh the the scheme experience. It's just going to be tough. And and you know, what does one injury do? What happens when Watson goes down? What happens when Dobbs goes Dobbs goes down, which happened last year? To both of them, I think to Watson numerous times, although some of it was, you know, like a, an elective surgery that they got cleaned up or whatever. Um, you know, and, and God forbid if they both go down, we just we don't have players like we don't have tight ends. And again, maybe DeGuara, but we, we don't have tight ends. We don't have receivers. We, we've got a couple running backs. We're, we're doomed. We're screwed. So. It's it's the question mark in talent. It's the. Complete lack of depth, which of course is going to get fixed, but to what degree and with who and, and how is that all flesh out? Um, and then there is the, um, yeah, I mean, j- just the the level of, of disaster that happens with a simple injury. You know, if, if, if Watson is that sort of big play guy, but not a possession guy and Dobbs goes down, what are you going to do? You can't just launch it 20 yards to Christian Watson every single time. Right. And and his route tree is limited and they still need to kind of work on that. So, I mean, what do you do? I mean, are, are we a Dobbs injury away from disaster? Are we a Dobbs not being very good away from being not very good at football? It just feels very frail and flimsy. Now, of course, if Dobbs and Watson are both studs and we add a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba and end up hitting on a tight end and Josiah DeGuara ends up hitting. And of course, we've got Dylan and Jones and, 
I mean, this could be a freaking superstar offense, but it's the unknowns. You know, we had this last year with these big swings and unknowns, and it all pretty much went negative, like everything, which the positive side of that is that's unlikely to happen again. You're likely to hit a couple wins here, but um, you just don't know. And and I, I guess that's where the fear comes in is I understand or I can see a path to a pretty gloomy situation. That doesn't mean necessarily predicting it. It's just the fact that I can see a very clear path to it being a disaster. And and probably m- more paths than it being good, because the only way that it's good is Watson and Dobbs are both really good, and we probably add more people. They don't necessarily have to be great. We, we, we need two good players, let's say, and we need more bodies. I think if we can do that, we'll be okay. Anyways, folks, I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.